here we are. Uh, it's us, your friends, uh, with episode 57 of the Auto Week podcast. Uh, the now weekly Auto Week podcast. I think uh, this is week seven or eight of doing this every week. Something They're about like to, yeah. I think uh, seven. Yep. Um, so we, uh, we're breaking them up. So one of them is uh, kind of general uh, bullshit and car culture stuff. And the other one is more motorsports focused, although we've not really hewn to that uh so far i think we talked a lot about racing last time we talked about nhra and those guys but well this one this one has I'm sorry, motorsport who, and i'm sorry not motorsport on the thing on i'm looking at the schedule here so we're really not doing that at all i was kind of like a, yeah we're not doing that so uh we have in the uh we should probably introduce ourselves on rory we got jimmy here hey checking his gram i can see him I'm checking the Auto Week Graham. Oh boy. Uh Auto not, Week Editor Graham Kozak? No, not Kozak. Oh. We got Robin. What's up, guys? It's a cool shirt, Robin. Uh, you can't see this at home. It's like a light green chambray dress shirt. Uh, is that cham- Sh- chambray? What yeah. does chambray mean? It's like a kind of light down. It means thing. what you're wearing right now. Yeah. And then it's got a like some triangles like elk on it. on it. Well, it isn't just elk. And some the, pine trees. Yeah. The yeah. elk in the woods. Little elk. And very pine trees. Out. Yeah, but if you're more than five feet away from me, it looks like little black polka dots, basically. On a chambray. Yeah. yeah, I like it. I, I think it's a very good look for you. Um, something you should probably... I mean, well, it, I, it, I would go with that. It's to, to honor Who my northern Michigan lineage. You Really? Yeah. I don't know that. My, uh, my father's mother was born and raised there. Where? Jarvis City. Really? Heck yeah. Um, I don't know that. Uh, oh yeah, is, I is that, nor- is that, that. Northern yeah. Michigan? Not, not really. No. About halfway. We got Mike Price. Uh, in it's here. better than halfway. It's like three quarters. Yeah, yeah three, three quarters. quarters. Come on. Got Price in here. Yeah, we do have a uh, Starbucks cup too, in, in honor of Game of Thrones. Is that Game of Thrones? Are they on the um, <laughs> on the show? Oh yeah, that's right. product placement. Uh, we have yeah. some product placement yeah. going on here for those of you watching us on the simulcast. To which yeah. I say, you're welcome. Yep. Um, and we finally got a microphone in the studio, the booth. We got. We got well. We've had this microphone for two years ish, so we have. Uh, it's now in the booth. Wesley, uh, Ren, the executive producer, can now chime in without just yelling. And boy, does he chime! He's chiming. Baby. Oh man! So let's jump right into it. Uh, we have a uh, an unpredictable, exciting <laughs> season. I'll start. I'll start. Oh, I'll start wait, on wait, wait, one. Wait. Are you talking about World Rally Championship? No, that oh, is actually that's, we that's should accurate. actually be that's, that's what accurate. we should be talking about. The yeah. Formula One Grand Prix was in the Formula One Spanish Grand Prix happened this past weekend, and it was the fifth Mercedes won two in a row. And before anyone goes any further, I agree it was a boring race. Hey. Oh, oh, and and but notably, it tied up the leaders of the uh, drivers' championship. Uh-huh. Hamilton got a cool. fastest lap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. so uh, yeah, but yeah. Hamilton, no, it did not, because Hamilton now has three wins to Botas's two. So Hamilton's in oh. the lead of the championship, but, but only, they only all, seven. But points. they now not, both have one right. fastest lap, and that, that exciting. That's exciting. so cool, guys. Um, so fifth straight one two for Mercedes. Uh, in our little notes here, it says could this continue the entire oh, year? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't it, see it, no yeah. reason no probably. Why yeah, it no, it, it won't. I, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I'm pretty sure that uh, it won't at Monaco. 
I think there's a darn decent chance that you'll see a Red Bull win oh. Monaco. Oh, boy. Wow, that's pretty bold. That happened last win year. Win or didn't, just break up the one, too? Didn't that happen last year? I uh, don't know if it was last Daniel year. Daniel Ricardo did, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Was Ricardo. that last year that yeah. it happened? Yeah. I and mean, he's yeah. not going to win this year. I was going to say it was last year or two years ago, but yeah. But he might repeat a uh, car failure because last year his MGUH or failed. That was cool. And this year his car just might not make the end of the race. Well, yeah, this this year is, but yeah, this this is as good a shot as any that Max Verstappen has of uh, taking a win this year. So, I think there's a darn decent chance that uh, the Red Bull now, Robin, this Red is Bull kind will of break fam- up the Mercedes. This one is too. a family podcast, and we try not to cr- cuss on it. Did I you by saying Red saying, Bull? Darn. And I, I would really appreciate it if you would not do that. It's funny because the word that I am saying is darn, uh-huh. and that word would have been different pre-Harrison. So, oh, you, my son. Uh, would you say gosh darn? So you would have said dang, uh-huh. probably. <laughs> yeah, dang. Or, or dang tootin' even. Dang. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I have not done that with the kids. Um, I know people say to not... Uh, swear in front of children but i just i mean honestly i don't have like the mental energy to keep that in check i don't think anymore Um, i I slip up all the time but i am a lot better than i used to be which is an indication of just how bad my language is i think i did hear mary say shit whoa uh, recently i thought this was a family podcast roy He's yeah. quoting his child. Well, you yeah. know how when you yeah. got child, children, you w- there's a there's a stage in every children's life when mom there and dad think they can spell things and get away yeah. with it. So, so I've got two grown children and one that's in high school. Still trying that. But we got a but we got a new dog, and I caught my wife spelling outside the other day. Oh yeah, because we didn't want to get up and let him outside. That's right. So we're spelling O U T, and I yep. was like, wait a minute, the dog is not catching on, is he? With, he no, the, the, no, yeah. your dog will absolutely He'll learn know that the word. words. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of catching on, he learns how to spell. So, but that's how Ferrari hasn't caught on that. Uh, <laughs> well, that's just it. I mean, oh, very nice. It, yeah. it was, it was, in fact, a Red Bull that rounded out the podium. Max Verstappen was in third, and it was Sebastian Vettel, Charles Leclerc, fourth and fifth. And here again, this time, uh, they actually let uh, their drivers uh, pass each other a little bit, but it was all pre-orchestrated like are you talking the ferraris the ferraris yeah they they let each other pass they they let let, uh, vettel pass they let uh, charles leclerc pass vettel because vettel had a flat spotted tire from the race start which the race start was exciting that Uh, first corner botas botas was on pole hamilton got a great start and they raced really aggressively and vettel was trying some things and he messed up but whatever and uh Anyway, the Ferraris ended up fourth and fifth, swapping the places each other because they kept wasting time about who's allowed to pass who and when. Mm-hmm. And uh, they should just let them race. You know, had had they made had they been more decisive, there's a darn decent chance that the Ferrari could have in fact been on the podium. Hey, now, Wesley, is it going to be possible to uh, delete some of these darn decents we have here? It's a... I'll I'll see what I can do. Okay. Do you want me to? Is, really... it, is it getting? Should I say decent darn? I don't know. It just seems very. So, but if uh, if anyone wanted to to know about it. An interesting, exciting, or competitive. Why don't you uh, just look at my shirt, Roy? Hey, an hey, unpredictable wait, wait. race series nice just last weekend. Yeah, Sebastian Ogier won. Right, he s- didn't. S- sit down, Jimmy. Sit down, Jimmy. Hey, what about the? Uh, they did let him race for Haas uh, this past weekend, and that didn't turn out real well for Haas. Uh, we had two drivers battling for seventh, and they decided to clip, and one finished tenth. So, well, but if you want to talk about drivers so, so racing for the win, we don't want drivers podium spots, We don't want to race. That's, you know, that wouldn't work. I think the question for this year's Formula One series is how soon can Mercedes clinch the manufacturer's championship? Well, through five races, they already have a one. You know, they already have a almost two races in hand. 
Uh, they have a 46 point lead on second place in the driver's and, and that's good. Driver's championship. That's the number. That is the number that you would like to have. I mean, we're looking at two race cushion. Yeah, I'm thinking with about four races, four or five races to go, it could be over. That's fine. You know, it you would move be, on with our lives. It wouldn't do be other that things soon, on Sundays. But it, so, but if you're it, looking it for a series quite with, early. with three right now, drivers, they're, they're, they'll have it locked up with three races well, to go. Here's here's what's happening. points. Of here's each other. what. Uh, Mercedes yeah, has been impressive from, because this fan. was the first time that Mercedes brought upgrades to the car. Uh-huh. Other people had other had upgrades sooner, and Mercedes was running on what they had had since Australia. So now that Mercedes has kind of just put a stamp on it, it's uh, it's going to be serious catch up for uh, the others. The, there there are Wait, definitely you, some more interesting things going on. You're saying that the other on. teams will be trying to catch up to Mercedes that now. More so than <laughs> they didn't yeah. have any yeah. now, now, they're ser- now they're serious. No, but the, here's the irony of it. They should have started the to first, do that earlier. <laughs> the <laughs> first few races, Ferrari had the faster car. But they uh, just based kept on what? Mess, based kept, on what? Everybody ba- says lap, that, lap but they no, based on lap, lap times. They, they're not qualifying then. faster than they are. Jimmy, that's the they entire did. point. Is they keep that's messing Mike. themselves up. I'm, I'm the one just saying we should WRC, talk about yeah, WRC. Yeah, WRC and Ferrari, Ferrari yeah. and Ferrari brought an engine upgrade to mm-hmm. Spain, and now All right. and now they seem to have the best engine. So the claim is, but. I'm not so sure about that because Honda's getting closer and closer. So I think to what second half of the season, Honda's getting closer to what they're going to be in Talladega soon. Mike, does that help? The uh, the that'd be fun. I think Honda is going to creep up in the second half of the season. We might see Red Bull being more competitive. Mm-hmm. So my, stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> see, my guess is in about three races, we're going to start hearing teams saying, "Ah, we're working for twenty, you know, twenty, yeah. and they're going to, they're not even trying anymore." Like I mean, uh, it, it, they're going to start working on twenty twenty more than they're going to worry about you know upgrades for this year. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, well, strategy. Un- unfortunately, uh, WRC isn't thinking about it that far because they're <laughs> you know, you know, you know they're within uh, twelve points of each other and you all three Jimmy? drivers and they're all in different cars. Tell, and... tell us about the last WRC race. Give us the broad strokes. Oh, it was really exciting. Thanks. Where, where was it? Oh, it was in Chile. Mm, I love that place. It was the first first rally, first world rally ever in in Chile, yep. and. Uh, it was a no, really exciting it, race. They've done it in Argentina. They've done Argentina for decades, yeah. and then this was the first time. Uh, we had a leader crash out, two leaders crash out in pretty uh, ex- uh, spectacular spectacular ways. Uh, one rolled his car back over by himself, kicked out the windshield. Well, Terry Newell, and then, he's still rolling, and then isn't set he? out, uh, set the fastest stage time without a windshield. That's extremely badass. Yeah, that's that is pretty cool. cool. Or I think it was within a couple seconds, yeah. actually. Whatever. I mean, that he and had then, a windshield that saved weight. Yeah, right, exactly. But you it, have that airflow moving through. But the it exactly. added so much drag. And then uh, the leader, Newville, crashed out. He, that was a crazy crash. That was a really nasty one. And then OGA. That's on the website, right? Yeah, find that on the Auto Week website. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I think he's still rolling. Yeah, he could still be rolling. And then uh, Sebastian Loeb. Uh, got the okay. He's basically there this year to try and secure a manufacturer's championship for Hyundai. So he's really just there to gather points. But the new Hyundai boss gave him the go-ahead to really push for OGA, and they ended up only within a few seconds of each other. Oh, boy. So, But one thing that is uh, standard is that OGA is still in charge of the championship, but only by um, a, you know 10 points. I Can we do a WRC episode? Like a whole episode of WRC special, we could do it on site from from a WRC from a, event. From a, from a, from that would be yeah. From the next US stop, we could do it. From yeah, the, uh, I mean they, yeah. they do Mexico. So. Mexico. Oh, yeah. they already did Mexico. Oh, oh shit! They're they're out of the yeah. Americas now. 
Yeah, boy. But anyway, oh, if anyone's good. looking for a... Let's com- do a whole episode a, uh, on WRC. We can do, like, the history of it. We can do oh, uh, some great moments. Oh, man. We well, can did. have Buffum call. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, get Buffum on. He'd yeah. talk. I mean, you could ask Buffum one question, yeah. and then we'd be good. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, like that one time. Let yeah. it be written stone. That yeah. can happen. Did it, Was he on before? He was but um, earlier. He's on, he's on the... He's in the... Uh, hopper the of... Hot, in the hopper. What is it? The... What would you call the unpublished takes? The uh, yeah. fucked up the tapes. He was, we, uh, yeah, it was an early, early episode. The audio quality was a tiny touch suspect. Not but, great. Uh, but like the, the stuff conversation right now, right? Yeah. The conversation it's, was fantastic. So, but anyway, if anyone's looking for a competitive uh, racing series uh, with three different cars. I like how with Jimmy, the same guy leading it for the seventh like, year in a row. I love how Jimmy has... Uh, Abandoned his defensive Formula One and just uh, no, he's, he's, moved yeah. on to an entirely different type of now, on, In defense of Formula One. <laughs> like, uh, well, how did Kimi Räikkönen needs, do in, in Spain? Uh, I don't know. He did, I didn't watch. He, 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 he recovered well from a bad start. That's he finished for sure. 14th. He, was but, uh, he should yeah. go back to yes, the WRC. That's where he finished. But he and, should go back to NASCAR trucks. He raced, and, uh, he raced really we well despite having a bad start. And, and a bad, a bad qualifying. Bad team. Uh, yeah. And another aside, Jimmy, aren't you going to be doing some racing soon? Hopefully. This weekend, right? I, this weekend, I need to break in an engine between now and tomorrow. Mm. Which so is, uh, is that why you so drove the rally car to work today? Yeah, it yeah. is why I drove the rally car to work today, to put the extra four miles on it or whatever it is. Yeah. So where's the, where's tonight, the event? Where, where are you going? Where's the, where's the, where are you going? Uh, we are going to Chillicothe, Ohio for the ah, Southern, Southern Forest... Southern Ohio Forest Rally. Um, so if you're listening to this now, get to Ohio. It, yeah, check it out. There's also an app, ARA Rally. You can follow along. Um, but it'll be really cool. We're doing a night stage in downtown Chillicothe through the public park, uh, which will be pretty sweet. Um, and then Saturday, Friday and They're Saturday. They're letting you guys trash day. the park? Pretty much, man. Nice. Yeah, it'll be good. So, but I'm also going to be driving around Ann Arbor tonight, uh, trying to put as many miles on my car as possible. Run through a few parks in Ann Arbor and just say, "Hey, I'm just practicing." Yeah, for yeah, I'm just breaking it in. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't worry. In terms of other racing, that's really good. Uh, we have an IndyCar race that was fantastic that we're going to talk about later, uh, soonish. I don't think this episode, uh, but it was a really good race, and IndyCar is continuing to put on a great show. And sports cars, IMSA. They're putting on a lot of good stuff, and they had a race um, a little more than a week ago at Mid Ohio Sports Car Course. Uh, they did. Did you guys want to talk about that? Hey, who was there? Oh, I, oh, who oh. did we send down there? I was, I was there. Ooh, I was, there. was uh, there. This is my, this was my uh, first uh, real IMSA race. I mean, oh. they do the. Wait, have you been on Bell Isle? They do the IMSA race at Bell Isle, but this was. They, they don't want to hear that. That's not a real race. But this was where IMSA was the the flagship, opposed to an ah. Indy, tied with an IndyCar okay. race. So um, we sent Wesley down. <laughs> he's, he's, he's with who is your host? Uh, Michelin, the tire company. Okay. So the Michelin man. Just was if my, you're a, a Michelin guy listening to this, just know they're not all like that. Wesley is a different. He's a different sort of guy. I was very polite. Good the entire time. Um, no. So if here's here's Ims at Mid Ohio. It's probably gonna rain first and foremost. So it's like Le Mans. It's like Le Mans. Yeah, it rained. Mine. It rained. Uh, I was down there Friday and I was down there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and it rained. Well, Ren, how the, long was the race? Because this was one of the not super epic long races. Uh, two hours. Yep. So I mean, the Sprint the race. feature event was two hours. 
Now, in mid-Ohio... Was it, was it three? 240. 240? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 100. Yeah, it's usually... Yeah, they finished a two-hour race in 241. It was a little slow, but... It, it felt like two hours because the racing was so exciting. No, it was. It was a good race. Um, but who cares about the racing? You don't go to an IMSA race for the racing. I mean, you do. But the, the walking around, it, I mean, I've been to an F1 race, right? And compared to an F1 race, the access was unmatched. I mean, there were drivers signing autographs. The Corvette racing guys, both uh, Saturday and Sunday, were letting kids in the car to take pictures. During the race? Yeah. <laughs> yes, during the race, yeah, Mike. You, you can sit them right in the passenger seat. <laughs> in the sign autographs? Yeah. No, while you're in the race. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, you can yeah, just... That's great access. Because the... the uh, Fan friendly. Yeah, they had to add weight anyway. That's so true. What's, what's yeah. a 90-pound kid in there? Uh, but I mean, obviously, Corvette right logs during the race. That, yeah. That's a great idea. The Corvette yeah. racing guys can only do that because the car is, uh, by any measure, done. Yeah, I mean, everybody, everything that you could figure out about the Corvette has already been figured out. Yeah. Um, but just going to the race and sitting, admittedly, in a wet grandstand among fans of racing is you're not going to find a more engaged, passionate fan base than you're, what's going to an IMSA race, especially at Mid-Ohio. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I've, I've never been to Mid-Ohio, oddly enough. I've been to a bunch of IMSA races, but that one has kind of eluded me. Um, and everybody says, I mean, everybody says that's like the best one to go to or one of the very best ones to go to. The course is a sports car course. Um, it's it's made for this type of racing. Um, and it did show it with the racing. There was fighting in class and throughout the field. I mean, yeah. the Acuras are fighting with the Mazdas. Mazda almost got its first overall win. Two, win po- two very, podiums, two on the podium. Two, yeah. Second and third, yep. yep. Uh, I'd love to see that. There was a Lexus and a, uh, an Acura fighting for the GTD win, yep. and that they were really fighting. It yep. was uh, super intense, and Ford bumbled a win with a couple of pits and a couple of accidents. Uh, well, that'll happen. Um, poor shops who took GTLM well, as they one to do anymore. But there's another thing I think that's really important to talk about, which is actually being up close and seeing the cars moving on a track in person is a hugely different oh, experience yeah. than oh, being yeah. there in television. And Mid-Ohio, just as you're explaining, Rory, you know, the TV flattens every track. Mm-hmm. And Mid-Ohio has some really good, especially its back section, has some good elevation tains and some pretty steep areas and some really off-camber apexes and things like that that can really unsettle a car. And the track's not that wide either. So when people are going track. too wide, it, it can get really hairy really fast. And so what was that experience like to actually hear and see and feel the cars getting by you so closely? Uh, I mean, it was immense. But more importantly than too wide, cars were going three wide. And during the uh, the race on Saturday, the GT4 and TCR cars, almost every corner of the cars were going three wide. And it was that the Saturday races are... As far as I'm concerned, some of the best racing you'll see in the world. I mean, people basically not, basically in works cars, just duking it out and fighting as for fun. I don't know the purse, but it, it's nowhere near as much as a standard IMSA race as the overall winner of the, the TCR. Yeah, TCR yeah. and GT4 cars. I think that the, the, they were they were absolutely fighting for the entirety of the race. Yeah, and I I think that you know we've talked a lot about that too. The the kind of IMSA show the the whole entirety of the weekend that they put together is you know among if not you know the best uh products in racing right now I mean it's you can you can spend the entire weekend there um and be thoroughly entertained by every uh you know every every single race that that they put on the track it's awesome um so if if you're 
you know, looking at the schedule and thinking like, well, you know, that's within a few hours driving distance. Just go. It's it's so it's totally worth it. So good. Yeah. And, and to be blunt, the most boring race was the Porsche Cup Challenge. Yeah. And that's a super exciting race. Yeah. So if the, if the most boring thing is a bunch of Porsche GT3 cars fighting, you've got a hell of a weekend in racing. Yeah. And that's that those types of races is where the money versus talent uh, factor starts yeah. <laughs> changing balance a little bit. So yeah. in a way, it's you know it's like a, a high school football game where the score is forty nine to fifty six. You mm-hmm. know, there's just more going on. Yeah, because it's not maybe not necessarily the best racing, but still very entertaining. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What on earth does that mean? Forty nine to 50. it's a it's a sports ball. Uh, don't worry about seven it. touchdowns to eight clo- touchdowns. Does that mean close? Yes, yeah, that's pretty close. And it, both and are, a lot but of high scoring because scoring. a lot of mistakes are made. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, we can take you through football, Jimmy, yeah. right now. Uh, <laughs> but no, seriously. But uh, I, I have to, I do. I, mean, I can explain to you. If you've never been to Mid-Ohio Rory. Yes, um, you need to. The sports car sports car racing is really good there, but the Indy car race certainly isn't bad. And that's yeah. coming up in August. Okay. Maybe uh, we'll uh, do a little road trip down there. The only, July. I think it's in July. The only racetrack I've been to in Ohio. Yeah, it's yeah. usually early, end of July, early August. Then, yeah, is, up. is Nelson Ledges. <laughs> uh, which is a very fun course. That's entertaining in its own way. But different. Yeah. It's, uh, from what I understand, it's yeah. a little different. But we should note um, the next IMSA race yeah. is in, was it three weeks? Uh-huh. Uh, right here. In Detroit, Michigan. Yep, Detroit. right on Belle uh, Isle. So you can come, uh, if you want to come to Detroit, you can stay. Wesley just bought a house, so uh, you can stay with Wesley. I'm renting a house, but yeah, you're more than welcome. Any, it's in Dearborn uh, Heights. Any reader and down Dearborn now, Heights, no one really knows where that is. Well, it's where the floods were. And there's some floods. It was where the floods were last but week. But my basement is a little... Uh, little it's, musty. It's, a little, it's got some must. <laughs> yeah. But so I hear it's like it's, Venice, actually. It's like yeah. your own little slice of it. Yeah. So if you... Uh, if you, uh, you put it that Like way. I said, if you want to come up and see the race, come over to see the race. Uh, Wesley will be putting up all Auto Week readers in his house. Uh, We've already got one, actually. Yep. Is that true? Uh, yeah. Johnny Sparkle is going to oh, stay. Oh, cool. I think so. Like that guy. Yeah. I don't think he's going to go to the race, but he'll probably be staying at my house. Okay. That's uh I'll try to get him to go to the race. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, come to come to that Detroit race. And like I said, if there's one in your neck of the woods, make sure you get there and tell him Auto Week sent you. Um you know, uh, speaking of IMSA, yes, I don't think we've really spent enough time talking about IMSA. Uh huh. So I think it's best if we uh, cut to an interview we did uh-huh. with uh, IMSA oh, driver Stephen Simpson. Good. Who's oh, is he was the interview? I mean, good I was know. The car good? Yeah, was the interview good? Yeah, the interview was great. Now you did it. Uh, Mike led the charge, Steven and I just was there for backup. Is, Steven is great. Uh, he's a great interview. Uh, he basically has driven every car in the IMSA feel except for, I mean, GTLM. That's yeah, good. Right now he's driving the number 84 uh, Cadillac DPI uh-huh. for JDC Miller Motorsports. Finished seventh at uh, Mid-Ohio. Uh, the Cadillacs he, just didn't have the pace. No, he, and that car has been, you know, his, he's been like in the seventh, eighth most of the races. But, again, great guy. Uh, a lot of insight into IMSA and what it's like to be in those cars. Good. Well, welcome back. We have a super special guest in studio today, which is always nice for us. We have Stephen Simpson, driver of the number 84 Cadillac DPI for a JDC Miller Motorsports, uh, fresh from a race in mid-Ohio just a few hours ago, it seems like, Stephen. Uh, how was the how was uh, mid-Ohio for you guys this year? Yeah, well, firstly, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, pleased to be here. And uh, yes, I suppose we were, we were on track, uh, what, 
12 hours ago or so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Mid-Ohio this year was an interesting one. Weather played a part. We had a, uh, um, a wet weekend. Somebody said uh, this is Mid-Ohio this weekend. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, it was still, uh, still a good weekend. Race day was nice and sunny. There were lots of fans out. And uh, we ended up uh, seventh overall. Uh, felt like a lot of hard work for a seventh place finish, but it was um, with only one caution period. It, it felt like mm. a, a long, long sprint race. So uh, the key for us was making progress. Uh, the the Cadillac program for us this year is exciting. Uh, it's still new to us. We're still learning every time we get the car on track. And our goal at the moment is to make sure that the gap between us and the the race winning car, whichever that one that may be, is uh, is narrowing. And um, I can say yesterday that 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 has happened again. So we're making progress. Now, Stephen, uh, last year and actually the last few years, you've been com- very competitive in in this class, you know. And now with with a new going to Cadillac, new team or new program there, that's uh, got to be a little bit like, ah, oh, geez, we, we were so close before, and now we got to go take that step back before we take the leap forward. I mean, is that how you're looking at it right now? I mean, how is this learning curve for you guys? You know, it's a, it's an exciting learning curve. Cadillac have been fantastic to work with. I'm very proud to be driving our Cadillac DPI VR. Uh, and um, it's a, it is starting from scratch again. Uh, the last two years in our LMP2 car, we really got a good handle on it. What felt good last year was the fact that at the end of 2017, we had a good car and over the course of 2018, we took a good car and 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 made it even better. So uh, that that I felt like we did a lot of hard work and a lot of good work last year, and obviously that paid off with our win at, at the six hours of Watkins Glen. Uh, so this year is, is is yes, we're 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 starting from scratch again, but uh, but Delara Cadillac have been fantastic to work with, uh, and and again we're we're making progress. We're finding finding speed in the car and. Uh, uh, and our goal is to add two Cadillacs win tally in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Well, I'll tell you, Stephen, that, that DPI class is, is brutal. I mean, you say you're making strides, but it's no one's going to move over and let you get by, are they? I mean, this is a, you know, Acura, we saw Acura get their second win at Mid-Ohio. That seems to be their track. Uh, but, you know, Mazda is still chomping at the bit to get one. I mean, every time you turn around, there's a, there's a tough team and a tough car. Absolutely. And, you know, there's no doubt that the, the, the DPI class is, it's super competitive. Some fantastic teams, big manufacturers, really good driver lineups across the board. Uh, it, it's tough, it's competitive, but honestly, that's what we want as, as, as a driver, as a team. Uh, we we always wanted to be competing for overall wins, and that's why we, we are in the DPI class. And it's tough, but that's what we want. We want the challenge. Well, there's plenty of challenges. You don't have to look too hard to find a, find a challenge. Now, talking about challenges, you're you're in Detroit today, uh, stumping a little bit this week for the upcoming uh, Chevrolet uh, D- your Grand Prix over on Belle Isle, which is coming up uh, the weekend of May 31st through uh, June 2nd. Uh, you've had some experience over at Belle Isle. I mean, what do you think of that track, and does that suit uh, maybe what you guys are doing right now? So I'd like to think it suits what we're doing. It's it's a fantastic race weekend. Uh, this will be my my fifth time racing in Belle Isle, which is uh, which is great. 
We've had a best finish of second uh, back in uh, 2016, I think. So um, it, it's a fantastic race weekend. Great for the fans. I think what's great this year is that uh, Friday is actually free. So it's free Friday. And then tickets start as low as $45 for Saturday and Sunday. And also paddock access is open this year. So you do not need an extra pass to get into the paddock. So come and see the uh, the sports cars. There's also Indy cars there as well. So lots, lots for a fan to see and do. And we will point out that he gave that pitch without notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will Directly also mention, I'll mention that you can get your tickets at uh, DetroitGP.com. So there you uh, go. hope to see lots of fans out this year. All right. Well, I'm sure the promoter's check is in the mail. <laughs> Steven, you, you did a fine job. Uh, we want to talk to you a little bit about, too, your, your, your history in racing. I mean, you're... Uh, you're one of the veterans out there now. I guess you're what, 35 years old. Uh, you've been out there a long time beating beating around. Uh, but you started, uh, you, you did some indie lights uh, back in the day. I mean, was that your was that your uh, path at one time, the open wheel side? It was, it was. So I uh, started racing in South Africa, um, moved to Europe, raced in, in the UK uh, for a bunch of years, lived in Italy, raced uh, for the Benetton Junior team in the wow. Italian and Formula and and European Formula Renault Championship, came to America, raced in Formula Atlantics, Indy Lights for a while, uh, then switched to sports cars in 2008, raced uh, an LMP1 car in uh, the LMS series at the time, and also the Europe, European Le Mans series, and um, and then had a bit of a break. Uh, 2008 happened, and I was on the sidelines for about five years. Um, and during that time, never, never sat in a race car, didn't even have a race license, thought that my driving career was done and dusted, uh, then became a driver coach. And one thing led to another and my, my racing career, uh, took a couple fantastic turns and, um, very fortunate to be racing in IMSA. There's nowhere else I'd, I'd rather be competing. I've got a fantastic team behind me and, uh, we race at some fantastic racetracks, uh, so, so very, very fortunate uh, with, with the way my career has gone. And uh, in parallel to, to my own racing, I'm also doing a lot of driver coaching, which I really enjoy. So um, I'll spend probably 32, race we- uh, 32 weekends this year at a racetrack. Stephen, what was the, the fork in the road, I guess, when you, from when you went from open wheel to you know, sports cars? Was it, a, was it a sponsor situation? Was it a money deal? Was it a deal where you saw kind of your ceiling and how far you were going to get in that series? Gosh, it's a good question. I mean, the scary part is that was such a long time ago. Uh, I'm trying to think back to what I was thinking back then. But I, I, I think that part of it was the enjoyment factor. Uh, part of it was the sustainability, the number of manufacturers in uh, in sports car racing. And, and don't quote me on this, but I think there are 19 different manufacturers involved in the IMSA series. Uh, across the board so um, and and these are you know huge car manufacturers that will be around for a very long time so uh, I I saw sustainability Uh, I saw a maybe a better career path for me personally and uh, honestly I couldn't have if, if you had told me 10 years ago that I'd be here today doing what I'm doing having won a you know the the sick the saline six hours last year and Hopefully, a, a future overall winner of the uh, the the race at Belle Isle. Um, you know, I'd, I I don't know that I'd believe it. So very very fortunate and very happy to be here. 
who who takes a five year gap in the racing career these days? I mean, there are so many kids in line waiting for every seat that opens up. Uh, yet you were able to get back into it. I mean, that's you, you got to be very fortunate. Feel very fortunate about that. Yes, very, very fortunate. I think, uh, again, part of it was a bit of luck for me, but I, I think that there were also some very important relationships that I built up along the way. My relationship with JDC Miller Motorsports started in 2011, and it actually started when I just moved back from South Africa to Indianapolis, desperate need of a job, emailed all the, the open wheel teams. John Church was the first to reply and actually only to reply, said that, yes, he'll give me a job as a spotter that uh, that month. And um, and that was May of 2011. And um, since then, I uh, well, after that, I started coaching uh, Michael Johnson, who is uh, who is uh, local to, to Michigan, Mount Morris, actually, and uh, started coaching Michael the second half of 2011. And and I think that if I if I work it out, I've probably been at almost every race that JDC Miller Motorsports has done since 2011 until now. So, so a lot of it was relationships, and um, uh, and 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 also we've had a lot of success along the way. Let's talk about Michael Johnson. I mean, we you know we know him pretty well here in Michigan. Uh, driver who was paralyzed from a motorcycle accident, uh, and now he's still very competitive out there and, and you know winning races. Uh, he's won races. Uh, I mean, you coached him, you worked with him. Uh, when he came through the door, or you got that conversation going, what were your thoughts initially when you met Michael? So yes, so very very proud and and excited to to still be working with Michael. It's a relationship that's been going for eight years now, wow. and um, Michael and I have become very close friends, uh, and obviously teammates now as well. And 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 mainly Michael's coach. So uh, yes, worked with him while he was still an open wheel, and then the decision was was made to switch to IMSA. And um, and and Michael's just a fantastic individual. He uh, he's very personable. He's very quick behind the wheel. And um, and and I know sharing a car with Michael. I know the challenges that he goes through. I know how uh, how good he is because I I drive the same race car that that he does. So uh, there there are times in testing where he'll be a bit quicker than I am, and I'm thinking to myself, Wow, Michael's <laughs> doing this with with hand control. And, and it's amazing and what's so exciting about Michael is that he he has a lot to offer and he has not reached his full potential yet. So Michael's got a, a long successful career in sports car racing ahead of him. Well, what kind of challenges do you face though when you're a teammate? Obviously you have to there's got to be some adaptions for the car and, uh, and all that. Has that evolved to the point now where it's a lot more seamless I guess than it was when you originally started out this with this program? Yes, and part of the reason Michael and I are so successful is because we have great chemistry, we get on very, very well. I understand what he goes through and uh, the the challenges that he faces. Uh, an example of that is he is paralyzed from the, the waist down. So when we are in tricky conditions and, and like we had this weekend at Mid-Ohio where the track was slick and it was cold, so it took a while for tires to get up to temperature, Michael can't really feel when the when the car starts to slide on him so he has to feel through his through his hands and a lot of the time when we're testing I'll get in the car and, and tell Michael uh, that the car is is set up well and he can then jump in and, and trust that okay the car isn't going to get loose on me it's not going to break away I can I can attack and drive nice and hard 
because he knows that that I've driven the car and I I can give him the confidence that it's it's set up well. So uh, so yeah, again, what Michael does with the hand controls, he has the brake and accelerator on the steering wheel. Uh, we have our, our gear shifters are essentially push buttons on the wheel as well. Uh, so I'm able to drive the car with the pedals, but I still use the the push buttons uh, to to upshift and downshift. Uh, I work around Michael's hand controls, but um, but he's he's just such a fantastic role model. Uh, works really really hard at at what he does. His goal is to 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 win the Daytona 24 hour race one day and and move up to to the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship at some point. And and just such a role model, such a great ambassador for for so many of his sponsors. So when you're in the car, though, so you do get different feedback from his than you may get from another teammate. Uh, like you said, there's some feelings that he doesn't have literally in the seat of his pants uh, that a lot, of, a lot of drivers will be able to give a technician. So how does that work for you? Does that put a little more pressure on you to make sure this car is right? It does, yes. Uh, there's more weight on my shoulders. I, I know what Michael I know the car that Michael likes to drive. So when I'm in the car, it's it's all about setting the car up so that Michael will like it and Mike, and then that will bring the best out in Michael. So uh, typically we have a little bit more understeer in our car rather than having a loose car. So, um, and, and Michael's shown that he can be really quick when the car is right. Uh, he can be quick. And, and an example was this year, he qualified on pole position for, for our race at Daytona this year. Uh, last year we competed in nine races we had seven podium finishes we won a race as well last year so um so yes so it's it's very exciting and and yes to, to set up the car we we have a slightly different philosophy but uh ultimately my goal is to help michael achieve his goals we're talking with steven simpson uh, driver of the number 84 cadillac dpi for gdc miller uh, motorsports in the imsa WeatherTech uh, series uh Fascinating story though, working with uh, with Michael, and it's got to change your perspective on a lot of things beyond just you know driving. It absolutely does. Yes, it's uh, when when I first met Michael, uh, some of the things that that were normal to him, just getting his his chair in and out of his car, mm-hmm. uh, going to restaurants and 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 moving a seat out the way at a table and. A table rather than a booth and some things that 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 at the start were different and and now now we've progressed i mean they that we you know that's just michael and he does such a great job at it he he works out really hard and and he's he's just a great inspiration he comes to indianapolis a few times a year we go cycling he's got his hand cycle mm-hmm. and and um and it's great my michael is completely independent he can do everything by himself he's um uh, yes, he is in a wheelchair, but uh, he wants to go and compete, and and uh, he wants to be the best driver out there, not just um, you know for 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 his the situation he's in. When you talk about your own career, again, we started with the the open wheel path that you were on. Uh, you had the five year gap. You're, and it seems like it's all for a purpose. And now how you're working with Michael and, and and driving coaching, but also having your own pretty good career going right now yourself. I mean, it's worked out pretty well for uh, for you, hasn't it, Stephen? It has. Uh, very fortunate. Uh, I've I've competed in uh, many different classes in in the in the IMSA series or various series that IMSA has. Uh, all of them are fantastic. Uh, and like I said earlier, I, I honestly say that 
there's nowhere else I'd, I'd prefer to be competing in the world uh, other than the IMSA, IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. So uh, for, fortunate to have JDC Miller Motorsports as my team. I've got a great teammate, Simon Trummer, in, in our Cadillac uh, DPI car. So, um, yeah, it's it's great. But, you know, with with everything that's that, I you know, all the ups and downs that have gone by, uh, I really feel the best is yet to come. Us as a team, uh, we've we've got a lot to achieve. Uh, yes, I am 35 years old. I, I it's sometimes when I look at at some of the other series, I think, gosh, I'm I would be I'd be the oldest guy in this championship. But fortunately, uh, in IMSA, I think um, there are plenty of other drivers that have proven that the older they get, the better they get. So um, I, I really feel that I'm still improving as a driver and uh, still got plenty more races to win and hopefully a championship or two in there as well. So, so when old guys like uh, Edel Castro Neves come into your series, uh, you suddenly get younger, don't you? Yeah, it's great. I love <laughs> love seeing that. And, and guys like Helio just seem to, I mean, it's hard to think that a guy like him keeps on getting quicker, but uh, but he showed um, he, he shows it all the time when he gets in the car, how, how good he is and he's certainly not uh, not slowing down anytime soon so it makes me think I've got another good 10 years or so to go in my driving career oh no question I mean that's that's the appeal of the Simsa program right now and you hear a lot of drivers in other series who are looking at this as a way to extend their career and, and keep competitive uh, but it's not as easy as they think of just walking in here and being competitive as you know I mean uh, there are some guys who have not been able to make that transition uh, Alio and uh, Juan and the guys over on the Acura team have but we've seen some other guys come over and just not do so well absolutely and it's it's um it's interesting because a lot of drivers in in other series other than sports car racing i think they consider sports cars as their their plan b or their you know something they'll do later in life but to be very honest with you uh, sports car racing should be a plan a and and racing in imsa should be a plan a uh it's uh it's tough to get into it's super competitive uh as I mentioned before, big manufacturers, big teams, some of the best drivers in the world are, are racing in IMSA. So uh, so it, it's tough and it's not surprising seeing other top drivers from other series come and either not be able to make it in sports cars or, or just have a really tough time doing it. So um, we're, the, the, the whole sports car scene uh, in North America is very strong and it's got a very exciting future. Well, you've seen the IMSA series grow i mean just in the last couple of years it seems like every year we get more manufacturers we get bigger you know we get bigger name drivers we get you know the, the teams that are getting better every year the mazas of the world i keep mentioning them they haven't won yet but you know someday they're going to win and they're going to turn on the spigot and they're going to be a tough team out there so it's you know it's a great time to be a part of imsa it really is it really is and and you know everything i hear is that they're going to be some more manufacturers come in maybe we'll have a few more dpi cars on the grid next year who knows but uh but we we thrive on the competition it's it's it makes a great uh great television coverage even you know i'm i'm in the races myself i record all of them uh <laughs> on television and um I, my wife and I watch them on on Monday evenings and recording when I when I get home because it's uh, there's so much that goes on in the races from a driving point of view. Obviously, I I only see a certain amount of that, but um, it uh, e- even though I'm I'm closely involved, I still find it great to to watch the races back and and catch up on the things that I'd miss because typically there's uh, there's action all the time. 
Well, it looks like you're going to have to delay that at least one night. I mean, I guess you got one more night in Detroit here to, you know, promote the uh, Chevrolet uh, Detroit Grand Prix coming up here at the 1st of June. Um, but we're looking forward to seeing you back out there on the track. And obviously you have some goals that you still want to meet. And uh, that Cadillac program is on the rise. And again, like I say, though, there's, there's nobody just going to pull over and let you buy. You're going to have to earn it. Absolutely. And, you know, that's the way we want it. We want the competition. It's going to make getting back into victory lane uh, taste that much sweeter and, and feel that much more rewarding. Our goal is to, like I said, add to Cadillac's win tally in IMSA. Stephen, thanks for stopping by and best of luck the rest of the season. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we are uh, we're back here uh, after that interview. Uh, it was a good one, uh, one of maybe the best we've ever assembled everybody together. So we'll have I'd say so. Stephen yeah. back on for sure. Um, talk about more IMSA stuff. Uh, but I did want to kind of grill, uh, if that term is okay, grill Robin. Darn on something decent. he did. Darn decent. Very recently. Yes. Um, Robin drove a new 911 variant. Yes. Um, well, on an old platform. Old the outgoing platform. Yes. Um, the the newest, probably one of the last uh, specials to be built on this platform. They're building. I'm pretty sure the last 1948 of these. That is correct. And it is the Porsche 911 Speedster. The 2019 2019 Porsche 911 Speedster. Speedster. Um, Now, interesting aside, uh, before we get into kind of the meat of this, um, a week or two ago, a week ago maybe, I went down to the Smoky Mountains for the Smokies GT event. I had 122, I think, uh, GT Porsches, so GT3, GT2, RSs, GTS. Singers. um, One singer. Um, one uh, old Carrera uh, RS, uh, and then um, a GT3 Touring that you were driving. GT3 Touring. We went ripping around in the mountains, and uh, this is kind of a big event for Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, which is a thing that I have a, a, a connection to, obviously. Um, and they raised a bunch of money. They raised like seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which I actually uh, just remembered that I. I still have to pay my bill for that, uh, for the money that I donated. So uh, we'll be doing that uh, as soon as the podcast is over. But um, raised $750,000. A substantial portion of that was um, they auctioned off an allocation for the Speedster. So um, one of the things that you may or may not know about Porsche, this is going to be a limited run car. They're going to build 1948 worldwide. 20% of those, I think, roughly will come to the States. Is that I, right? Yeah, I think they gave us the rough number of about a quarter. Yeah, so uh, we'll be fairly exclusive car in the United States. Um, so what they do is big dealers who sell a lot of cars get an allocation. So that's like a spot in line for this car. Uh, it's we're, not an We're guaranteed car. to get the chance to buy the car. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're given permission, effectively, to order the car and pay full price for it. So... Those are a hot commodity. Last year, um, they donated a GT2 RS, uh, so Hennessy Porsche, which I believe is in Atlanta, um, donated a uh, GT2 RS allocation. 
and I went for like a hundred and fifty, hundred eighty thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah, a lot of money. Uh, considering then you have to actually buy the car, right? In addition to that, right. that's just that's just a spot at the door. Yeah. So this one, um, they offered a speedster allocation. Very cool. Very exclusive. I uh, went for two fifty. Uh, for the allocation uh, that was donated by uh, so Hennessy, all of that money will go to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. So that was two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yes, to be able to buy a car that cost two seventy five. Starting, I think two hundred seventy five thousand yeah, so. starting. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, and it rounds up to two seventy six. By the way, but yeah, I think if you're not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, probably at the at that point you're not super worried about it and i think too like especially in this case where the car is so limited it's it's worth getting a shot at it yeah i mean it, you could hypothetically turn around and probably sell that for what you paid for it or more um it's gonna blacklisted be a, from porsche <laughs> it's gonna be an instant collectible i think yeah um so it, it's not crazy to think i mean it is crazy in a way though it's ironic because the last time they did this was i think i got this right 997 mm-hmm. chassis uh speedsters and they only made 356 of them oh yeah so that one was more exclusive than this one in fact i asked about that and they basically said yeah we had a lot of people mad at us yeah. for only building 356 of them yeah. so we upped it to a number that would still had a connection to its history yep and ironically enough, the whole point, the, this car was supposed to be a 2018 uh-huh. Porsche 911 Speedster, but they couldn't get it done in time because of, um, to some, uh, just for a lot of reasons, but because of stricter European emissions, uh-huh. they just couldn't get it done without, you know, cutting Getting corners. Yeah. So they had stuff. to do it. So that's why we got the Porsche concept in 2018 uh, yeah, yeah. and the production cars of 2019 because of european emission standards so the um the speedster thing just uh if you're not familiar they've done a number of uh speedster homages uh built on 911s over the years the, the first or- one was 1988 well 911 speedster yeah so the the original one was a 356 uh obviously this was the lightest uh most uh sporty and uh, cheapest 356 and cheapest so it was yeah. very popular in racing it was weird because today, um, you know, traditionally you don't think of convertibles as being the lightest, most sports-focused uh, versions. Back in the old days, they just chopped the top off, and then it was lighter because it didn't have a roof. Had a little cut-down windshield. Uh, and you throw all the top assembly stuff top. away. Yeah. Yep. Um, so obviously, the the Speedster was was the famous uh, club racing, SCCA racing uh, weekend warrior car uh, of the. The 356. Um, yeah, and it was two things actually. Just so it was light and quick and all yep. those things, but it was also it was the it was the way that Porsche could sell uh, 356 for under three grand. So mm-hmm. it was 29.95. And that is how much they are today, still, still to this a, day. Uh, is a lot less than 275,000. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fa- famous club racer James uh, Dean. You had a 356. Never heard of him. Uh, he also acted. He did a lot. Like and he, uh, yeah, well, didn't he end up in a spider getting? Yeah, yeah, but it was actually it was an American, Max Hoffman. Yeah, who, the uh, the big importer who had the idea of the speedster and sold it to to, to the dealers here. Yeah. yeah, 
No, I mean sold it to the the, the brass over in uh, right. Yes, yeah. exactly right. Um, and that, although it was funny, Porsche was quick to point out that he was Austrian back born. Then? Were they in Stuttgart back then? I think so. Think sure. So. Didn't they start out up in the uh, up in the mountains somewhere? We should look that up. Have the research department check that. I out. thought they started in Stuttgart then, because uh, that's where Ferdinand got his uh, cut his jib. Yeah, but I, I think the the actual first Porsche cars were made like up in a shed in the mountains, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they Don't probably were in Stuttgart by then. Uh, anyway, uh, we can we can Wesley's going to look that up and correct us very shortly. But anyway, so the Speedster, um, you know, as uh, it, it was built in a shed in Austria, but debuted in Stuttgart. Okay, so uh, the Speedster. Uh, no, the 1902. No, first, yeah, uh, I mean, te- technically, it's a speedster, but no, not that thing. That is the uh, that's the first Porsche car. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the first Porsche company car, so like 1950 something. 1948. 48. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Hence the yeah, hence, <laughs> hence the, the number. It's the 70th anniversary the celebration, et cetera, yeah. well. et cetera. So uh, Wesley's still looking that up, but um, this this car has. You well, know, hold on now. Oh boy. So now nah, hold on. So the car that that Robin drove, yes, another nine nine eleven based speedster homage. Uh, now you can tell us, Robin. I don't know why I interrupted you a second ago, but tell us what what the deal is with this thing. To interrupt, uh, it, it's it might sound like an echo in here. It was built in Austria and okay, they debuted so in Stuttgart. The first Porsche. Porsche, yeah, the Porsche, the whatever they could, it was not quite a, was it, it was a 356 then at that point, right? Yeah. yeah. The, okay. Yep. It was the first 356. Yeah. All right. So this car, you know, builds on that history. They, they pay, put a lot of attention into that history, but it, it does also have a lot of firsts. This is the first Porsche speedster to be built on uh, a GT car powertrain. So this effectively has the GT three powertrain. Yeah. And in a simpler way, this is a GT3 Touring because it is a six-speed manual transmission only. Yeah, yeah baby. And uh, there's a slight change to the flywheel. It's a dual-mass flywheel, but it's effectively the GT3 Touring powertrain. And It's a little squishier, <clears throat> I think they said. Well, but powertrain, it's been updated. It's got it, it's got uh, six individual throttle bodies we instead love of that. one. We love that. Yeah, it's it, high responsive. ITVs, baby. Higher higher pressure direct fuel injectors, so uh, three thousand and six hundred psi better than three six three six hundred psi instead yep. of twenty nine hundred psi. It's two hundred fifty versus two hundred bar, but uh, we so, love that too. Yeah, and then it's got a lightweight exhaust as well, so power is actually up uh, nine to five hundred and two peak horsepower. Mm-hmm. And uh, torque is up seven to three hundred forty-six pound-feet, mm-hmm. and that is at uh, horsepower is at peaks at eight thousand four hundred RPM, on its way to its nine thousand RPM redline torque. I, and I think I think we we can all agree that that is wonderful. Oh, it's so so good. Yeah, it's uh, so so t- good. tough to beat that. Yeah, we we love to see it. Uh, you love to hear it, really. Oh yeah, it's uh, really good to hear. Yeah. Really good to see, and just phenomenally good to drive i this car is is modern it's incredibly modern it's got rear axle steering it's got adjustable shock absorbers it's It's got it's a 9912 porsche so it is brake based torque vectoring um a a dynamic they call it engine mounts you know the yeah we love adaptive engine mounts it's got all this modern technology in it but it's still 
has all of that just contributes to a nice driving feel. What it does not have is a bunch of gizmos and gadgets uh-huh. to interrupt your driving or to dilute the driving. So the steering wheel on a speedster. Nothing on it, man. Has a horn. Yeah. That's it. Yep. No cruise control buttons, no radio, radio. buttons, no anything. Yep. It's brilliant. Yeah. I um, So I have not driven the speedster um, because I'm not allowed to go on those trips anymore. Um because uh, of what happened before, no. Uh, the the we'll call it the incident. Yeah, no. I uh, I'm not allowed to go because I I have to ask for ad money occasionally, and um, that to me, um, apparently not to anybody else in this business, is a conflict of interest. But because um, how do you give a car a shitty review and then, and then walk into money, someone's and be like, well, didn't you just say our car was shitty? And be like, well. Yeah, uh, that's what I said. Uh, but yeah. I was like, but I have a great way to make it better. Yeah, yeah. Um, no. So, so we don't we don't do that. Um, but I think um, the I was lent for this uh, Smokies thing at the Tale of the Dragon and other places in in uh, that that immediate vicinity a uh, GT3 Touring, a car that I've driven before, um, and really um kind of blew my mind if i if i don't uh it quite possibly could be the best of the 991 twos i mean it, it is honestly the best new porsche i have driven since i've been in this business uh it is mind-boggling i mean i i think like um in really probably like top three cars i've driven in this job um which is saying there's a lot of cars in that list yeah um, hundreds of cars in that list um but yeah it, and it is weird because it's not that much different than a regular gt3 so right it you know the specs are very similar same power um the obviously the suspension is pretty pretty much the same yeah tuned a little different but there's like expensive things put on the car that do really aid the driving that you don't think about so um it's got forged Forged wheels. Yeah. Forged center locking wheels. And the center locking part, you know, that's not the thing. It's the cool. fact that they're forged makes them lighter weight. Yep. That reduces that reduces unsprung. unsprung mass. Sure. Um, I don't know about the GT3 tour and you were driving, but the speedsters, they come standard with um, carbon composite brakes. Yep, mine which are carbon. Which are also yep. lighter, less unsprung weight. Yep. And then I the, believe uh, the word you're looking for is mass. The P- PCCBs. Yeah, PCCB. Yeah, and if you want to say unsprung mass, that also works. And so anyway, the uh, all that l- less weight yeah. that's unsprung really helps when you're tuning it to really fine-tune the feel, and you can get really precise with yeah. the feel. So if you tune it right, if you have the right mentality, it's all for the good to give you that better driving sensation. Yeah, and it's it, it's not an issue. There's less. Uh, it doesn't have to be as stiff and unforgiving. It can exactly right. move around a little bit more, and you get a little bit more feedback. Um, exactly right. And I and then on top of that, your car probably did too. Um, uh, Michelin uh, mm-hmm, Michelin mm-hmm. Pilot Cup Two tires. Yep. And that's an incredibly high grippy and stiff tire that very directly communicates mm-hmm. what's going on in the road and gives you really precise feel, even from zero steering, from neutral steering position. So yeah. it's all those little details that are all expensive, but they all add up to just really good feel, yeah. really positive engagement. It was, um, you know, it was cool because that car, again, it wasn't the Speedster, very similar to the Speedster. So um, 
I was with a group of, you know, GT car true believers. So they're the early adapters for PDK. They're the early adapters for the PCCBs. They're, they're the track guys. They want what is the fastest car right now? And, um, the way they responded to, uh, this car, um, and I gave my buddy Ryan a, he's one of those guys for sure. I gave him a ride in the touring and he was like, I didn't get the car and now I do. Like it, it makes sense to me now. And I think like the, even like the interior spec in that car had rubber dash, had, you know, very, very simple, um, brushed aluminum trim. It's as simple as a hundred and fifty, $170,000 car is going to be. Yeah. Um, relatively, you know, had cloth seat inserts. Um, he was like, I get it. Like this, this makes sense now. It's a, it's a totally different experience than his GT3. Um, which, and again, like, you know, there were a million winged, um, candy colored GT3, GT3 RSs. And, um, you know, there are probably, I think seven tourings there. And those cards got a ton of attention. There were some really cool, like, uh, PTS cars, like paint to sample cars, um, there too. But, um, the the experience of that car is especially that tail of the dragon. I don't, where did you drive it? Sardinia or somewhere? Yeah, yeah, in Italy, yeah. Which, which did not disappoint. Yeah, the great roads. There too. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, tail of the dragon in that car, you know, it was like a most of it was second and third gear, and the nine thousand RPM red line where you can just leave it in gear and like there's there's enough torque down low um, to just to come out of a corner in second and wind it all the way to the red line. And then by then you're in a different turn and oh man, it was so good. Um, so the speedster yeah. is that with, no with an open top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's true. I mean, it's even, it's basically a hundred pounds heavier yeah. with extra bracing, things like that. And it's got that cool, like Tano. Uh, yeah, exactly. Fiberglass yeah. Or carbon. And it's really simple cloth top. The Tano cover is carbon. The uh, front trunk, the frunk yeah. is carbon. The front fenders are carbon. Yeah. That's from the 911R. And uh, all those other things, the exhaust is really light. The exhaust is 22 pounds lighter wow. than on the GT3 Touring. So, Which that's the, so substantial considering that doesn't have, it's not a, a lot of exhaust to travel. Yeah. Right. And so the car has extra bracing because it's yeah. an open top. But despite that, only weighs 100 pounds more, and that's pretty rare. It weighs almost 200 pounds less than a Carrera 4 Cabriolet. Yeah. So what you want is a GT3 Touring with the carbon fenders and all that stuff from the uh, Speedster. Right. That's what you should Or, do. you know, just GT3 Touring and get the front fenders off 911R. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Speedster 2, actually, I really, generally speaking, like Roadsters are great. The Miata... Roadster, I think, is better than the RF. Uh, better looking, lighter, so much better. Uh, but so I'm generally not. This is like my rule. So if a car is available in a coupe, it always looks better as a coupe. So uh, when you cut the top off a car, it always screws at the lines. Yeah, agreed. this one actually looks very good. It, I mean, probably not to my eye as good as a coupe, but it's it's different and very very sharp. I mean, I think like. Among uh, convertible executions of a of a base coupe car, it's it's really compelling and really really good. Well, it's because they they took all the steps. They lobbed two inches off the mm-hmm. windshield. 
They changed the rake of it. They did so much work to the rear tanu to have it have a singular flowing shape. Yeah. Yeah. So they worked really hard so that the body did feel cohesive to what it was. Good job there. Yeah. And, you know, it's bonkers money, this car. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people are going to go for the heritage package. I mean, though. Which is a special silver paint and some special interior stuff. It's 25 grand. So just like that, you're at 300. is it really bonkers these days? I guess it is. Well, it, it is. It, it just is. It's it's yeah. it's a lot of money for something that's you know for a car well, of any kind, yeah. right? But it's so it is it is really engaging because it is really focused on you know those the GT3s, the RSs, all that kind of stuff. They are better on a track. Yeah, they are faster, and there would be moments in the GT3 touring where you would get a little frustrated on a track. Compared to those others, well, not me. I'm not a good enough driver. Well, okay, yeah. fine, but your 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 serious track rat friends. Yeah, you know, there, there's a reason when you're on a track, and the speedster is the same. It there well, would be moments, but though, it's I, so good on the you, road. Though, it's I, so focused on the road, and it's so so good. I gotta tell you though, I disagree with that because it, I think the even if you're a serious weekend track guy, if you're not competing, like competing against other people then it, it, you are just out for an experience. So, like, it's a different experience than you get on the road for sure, but you're just trying to have fun driving your car in a track environment versus a road environment. So I think, like, you know, would it be satisfying in both of those cars to go improve your times, uh, get better at, as a driver in both of those cars? Absolutely. I think, like, honest, you know, like I said, if, if you want to compete, if you want to um, – get serious about track stuff then go race go go get a race car and go like imsa supports a porsche gt3 cup challenge yeah and obviously there's a ton of money wrapped up in that and i'm not talking about the guy who um you know had some miata that he tracks in the weekend or like a guy who's in my weight class as far as like driving ability i'm talking about like if you're um if you're you know if, if you demand to have a pdk in your uh, your daily driver because you take it to the track and um, those those tenths of a second are are precious to you because you're competing with somebody else then you know you probably should be looking to ladder up into uh, uh, Miata or some kind of an actual race car. I, I agree with all that generally but what I'm getting at is that just like the Speedster and the GT3 Touring are really focused on a great experience on the road. Mm-hmm. Definitely, especially when you get into the RSs, mm-hmm. there is that same level sure. of attention to the track. So it's all those little feel yeah. sensations at the moment, at that turn-in moment where the car's rotating in such a way mm-hmm. where I think the GT3 RS is super satisfying just because it is so lively and you have so much precise control over it and all those things that make it so good on the road become compromises on the track. Sure. So it's, we're talking about little, little differences on cars that in a general sense would both feel fantastic in both places. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think, you know, and I'm, I am supposed to, to write something about this Porsche, um, this week. And I think, What's interesting to me about both of these cars, and I think what's interesting um, is kind of a trend in the business, uh, the car business these days, is these cars that I would call like experience cars, where it's like we've applied um, 
everything that we know about performance and everything that we know about how to set these cars up to not just outright speed, but an experience. So there are certain cars, you know, the Miata is the, the poster boy for this, uh, for this, uh, philosophy, I think, um, in the, the car world where it's just, um, you know, Porsche knows how to make, you know, for, for, for so long to, um, each variant of, uh, a car, if you, if you're going to make a variant and it's going to be a, um, a performance variant, you're after outright speed. So you're after lap times, you're after more horsepower, you're after stiffer suspension and, and all those things that, that will allow, uh, more pace on a racetrack. Um, but we're seeing this kind of like bifurcation or, uh, um, kind of a, an offshoot, I guess, um, or a branch of just these pure experience cars like the speedster. Um, and you know, they've done speedsters before, but, uh, the GT three touring where it's like, there's a GT three, a GT three RS that are, um, you know, have a big wing, have all the arrow stuff because they're supposed to be faster than the last one, faster than what your neighbor has faster than whatever. But there's this other kind of branch where you're seeing, you know, a special variant like the touring, um, that's just, it's not going to be faster. It's explicitly not faster. It's got the manual transmission, doesn't have the big wing. Um, it's got, you know, some touring subtle differences. Touring is in its name. Yeah. It's not racing, it's touring, yeah. Right. But it's, it's for a specific experience. I think that's really interesting. I think that, you know, in a sense, like, when we talk about like the future of the automobile and mobility and all that stuff, there's like certainly that aspect of it. Um, and I, you know, I've said before on this, but I, I think probably like the real future of mobility is trains, uh, which is like the future of mobility from 200 years ago. Uh, <laughs> and, and mass transit, I think like if we're serious about like environmental impact and all that stuff, like, it's not getting more people into electric cars or more people into car sharing. It's getting as many people out of cars as you can. Um, but I think like the future in that case, the future for the automobile is, you know, obviously trucks and stuff for people who work on farms and live in rural areas. Um, but I think largely if the mobility thing is a problem to be solved, uh, then then what are cars then and i think a lot of that is like this stuff where it's like a recreational uh you know a toy like a boat or a right. horse or whatever right yeah that's exactly right where it's like this is not necessarily the just transportation this is a this is something that is offering a series of sensations or experience but while we're in this transition that mm -hmm. we are in uh, this speedster is kind of a hallmark in a lot of ways because this is the last Porsche that we know of now that will not have uh, digital screens mm -hmm. for an instrument panel that will not have all these systems that are built ready for hybrid and yep. electrification. Mm -hmm. So electric brake booster and other systems like that that get away from the traditional internal combustion engine. The 991 platform didn't have any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. The 992, which is what they're building now, does. Mm -hmm. And so there's, this is kind of like, we're clutching at straws a little bit, but this is kind of the last of that 
even for Porsche 911s yeah. where you're not getting into those kind of systems. Yeah. And I, I think what will be very interesting too is like right now the philosophy is let's take our existing infrastructure, our existing cars and electrify them, um, which, you know, to me may not be the way it ends up. I mean, I, again, I think like if the real purpose here, I mean, obviously car companies have a continued interest in selling cars. They're not going to tell everybody to get on trains or, or support that stuff. But, um, you know, if, if the real trend is minimal environmental impact, um, then there's a very obvious answer to that. And like I said, it's not manufacturing cars at scale. It's, it's getting most people into trains and all that stuff. Um, so you, you may end up in a situation 20, 30 years from now where, um, you know, there are, are gas powered cars, there are electric cars, there are, you know, all these cars that are kind of built for various types of recreation. Um, and, and the kind of idea of just electrifying our current automotive fleet seems super quaint or weird, um, or like a weird, um, like a weird footnote in history. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's, that's entirely possible. I mean, <laughs> probable, probably not. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, questions of a will, I think. Um, yeah, I mean that, that gets into you know a big and broad conversation yeah. about it. But I think what you're trying to say, and what I think I agree, is that yes, you should sell your house and try yeah. to get one of these yeah. because yeah. it is absolutely worth it. Yeah, don't. Uh, my my order is confirmed. Yeah, I've got yeah. one coming. You can uh, whatever what I would say. You can sleep in your car, but can't drive your house. Exactly yeah. right. Never has that been more true. Um, but I think that's probably a decent place to wrap this guy up. Uh, episode 57. Um, the big five, seven. Yeah. The classic number, uh, that you love to have of, of podcasts. The try five of podcasts. Yeah. The first thing I think of is Heinz. Yeah. 57. Yeah. That's, uh, does that mean I'm a shield for marketing? I mean, I, I, you're in big ketchup's pocket. Yeah, they're yeah. going to send us some money. Um, so yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for being with us again. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, big IndyCar IndyCar time because I think there's a thing happening uh, in that series coming up. Um, a race, I think. Yeah, uh, but we'll check in with you then. In the meantime, feel free to like, subscribe, rate, uh, steal your friends' phones, and download the podcast. Download the podcast on there. Um, if you are uh, system administrator anywhere if you have uh, control over a large number of okay, devices big network yeah uh, whether those be mobile devices or desktop computers go ahead and download every episode and just uh, stream them 24 hours a day binge listen get those you, numbers you, up you can do it on silent you can, yeah you don't have to actually listen just uh, just play them all through download them um, all that stuff so uh, that would be appreciated like download them play them delete them download them again yeah uh, that would be great. Um, so with that, we will sign off and we will talk to you again in a week. <laughs>